Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. Thank you for subscribing and downloading and listening to the show every day. It is Thursday for this one. That means it's mailbag time. So let's just dive right in this week. At D86Harp, do you think Devon Achan will be an RB1 for the rest of the season considering the Dolphins' tough matchups? So this was one that I didn't totally understand because I know that there's been talk that the Dolphins have a tough fantasy playoff schedule, but that's more for the passing game because they have to play the Jets, the Cowboys, the Ravens. Those are weeks 15 to week 17. But coming off the bye here, they get the Raiders, who give up the eighth most fantasy points to running backs. Then they get the Jets, who, yes, they make life hard on quarterbacks and on receivers, but you can run on the Jets. They allow the 13th most fantasy points to running backs. Then it's the Commanders, who aren't really stopping anybody these days. And even though they're a middle-of-the-pack matchup on paper for fantasy backs, that defense, they've been hit hard by good ball carriers. You look at this, I mean, Kenneth Walker, he put up 127 scrimmage yards on them last week. Ramondre Stevenson, 129 yards on them the week before. So I'm not really scared of that matchup. Same goes for the Titans, who the Dolphins play a week later. Tennessee, on paper, they started the year really strong against the run, so their numbers look solid overall. But lately, they got hit for 98 yards by Rashad White. The week before, it was 113 yards to Jalen Warren and another 76 to Najee Harris in that same game. So Tennessee, not as scary as they used to be against the run. And that's the next month here for Miami. Then you get into the fantasy playoffs where they get the Jets again. And we already went over the Jets, right? 13th easiest matchup for RBs. So yes, Dallas, Baltimore, week 16, week 17. Those are very important weeks if you're still alive. But Achan in this system with that big playability, I do expect that he is going to be in the low end RB1 conversation the rest of the way, as long as he stays healthy. And I will still be playing him if I am active in those games in week 16 and 17. I will have him in my lineup, even in those slightly tougher matchups. At Fball underscore money, do we trust Saquon Barkley rest of season? I don't. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, talent wise, he has what it takes to be a difference maker for fantasy. And he's finally healthy here. But Everything around him, it's all falling apart. He doesn't have a quarterback. Tommy DeVito, Matt Barkley, I don't think those guys are going to keep this offense moving. I'm not convinced that Tyrod Taylor is going to come back off IR in a few weeks. I just don't think there's any reason for him to do that at this point. Plus, the injuries on the offensive line, that continues to be a problem. The Giants tackles Evan Neal, Andrew Thomas, they're banged up. We don't know if they're going to play this week. They've already missed some time this year. And I could see Saquon having a good game against the Commanders this week, just based on the volume and the fact that it is a fairly easy matchup. But he has a buy in week 13, hasn't had his buy yet. So that knocks his value down a little bit. And then in the fantasy playoffs, it's the Saints, the Eagles, and the Rams. Those are all negative matchups for him. And the Saints and the Eagles, those are two of the top five hardest opponents for fantasy backs. So Barkley isn't a good bet the rest of the season. He's just a volume-based RB2, and it is very unfortunate and kind of sad for his fantasy managers. At JD underscore game time, did the Lions backfield play out like you expected? Jameer Gibbs seems like he is the one getting more work. Should this be what to expect moving forward? Yeah, I projected a a 60-40 split in favor of Montgomery last week, or at least a 50-50 split, and instead we got the opposite. We got Gibbs leading the way with essentially a 60-40 split on his side. I think it was 58% of the snaps for Gibbs, 38% for Monty, and then it was 15 touches for Gibbs, 12 touches for Montgomery, 
and Gibbs finished with 112 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns. Montgomery with 116 rushing yards and a touchdown. But there's some context that we got to give here as well, because Montgomery really saved his day with that long touchdown run. That's not normally his strength. And also, Gibbs was in an interview this week, and he said that Montgomery was supposed to get one of the goal line carries, and instead he let Gibbs take it. So that could have swung things a little bit the other way. Regardless, Gibbs looks great. I do believe that this is going to be the approach most weeks going forward, give or take, right? Because there'll be some element of riding the hot hand. I'm sure they'll do that. If Montgomery's having a big game, I don't think they're going to pull him. And it all comes back really to what I said before the season, which is this could be just like that old Saints backfield with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, Gibbs being the Kamara prototype and Montgomery being the Ingram in that situation, right? And that makes both guys startable for fantasy, just like Kamara and Ingram were back in the day, right? Gibbs is an RB1. He's in that mix for fantasy. Montgomery, a strong RB2 with touchdown upside. We'll keep going with the running back check-ins here. So at feisty underscore Fritos, sorry about your bills, Justin. Appreciate that. But given the tough matchups and the defense not looking great, do you suspect James Cook's production will dip? Is he someone you'd be trying to move before the deadline? I would be trying to move Cook. If you can get an RB2 in return for him, I think that's a trade that you should make. And there's a few reasons for it. One is that schedule. He gets the Jets this week, which isn't bad. But then he has a month where it's the Eagles, then a bye, then the Chiefs, and then the Cowboys. And the Cowboys, that's the first week of the fantasy playoffs. So all of those are bad matchups. And then also you have a bye mixed in there. He's not scoring touchdowns. We know that. Latavius Murray, Josh Allen, the passing game. They're just not really going to cook in the red zone. And he only has two scores on the year. I don't see that changing. We're also not really sure what Leonard Fournette's role is going to be when he eventually takes the field for Buffalo. So I know Cook's coming off a 100-yard day. It was against the Broncos, though. That's the easiest matchup for fantasy running backs. It's not going to be smooth sailing like that over the next month. So I think this is a very smart call. I think you want to try to move Cook. When I did my updated rest of season rankings this week, I had him as a high-end RB3, which might have surprised some people, but I think that's where his value is at in trades. So if you can get a deal done for an RB2 or a wide receiver 2 or something like that, I think that's a move that you should be making. At Gray Weather Guy, in our league, everyone rosters two plus quarterbacks, leaving the waiver wire really thin. I'm stuck with Trevor Lawrence as my only QB. Should I offer Tajay Spears to the Derrick Henry manager to get Brock Purdy or Kyler Murray off their bench? So I rarely advocate trading away high upside backup running backs like Spears, especially Spears. I've just been a huge fan of his this year, but Lawrence has not been getting the job done. And if you don't have a good quarterback, you're probably not a serious contender. So I would definitely make that offer. I think it's a fair deal. I like Purdy slightly over Kyler rest of season, but I have them both in a similar range as low end QB one values for me. And maybe Derrick Henry gets hurt. Maybe Spears becomes a league winner and you'd regret it a little bit at that point, but we can't really predict that kind of injury. So that would be out of your control if it does happen. What is in your control is solving this quarterback issue that you have. And I'm sure you don't need me to tell you, but on top of not producing well so far, Lawrence has the Browns and the Ravens in weeks 14 and 15. So you can't start them in the first week of the fantasy playoffs, no matter when the fantasy playoffs start for you. And that's another reason that you got to get rid of him and you got to find someone else. And I think you're looking at two really good options there in Purdy and Murray at Eraser W. Should we try to plan around or be concerned about playoff teams resting starters week 17 or teams trying to tank also testing players? 
I don't think that you should plan ahead with the worry that good teams are going to rest players in week 17. I think that's pretty rare. I think, you know, teams resting guys for two weeks at the end of the regular season, we don't see that happen very often. There is some potential that maybe they could come out of that game in the second half, you know, if their team's winning, something like that could happen. But are you really going to trade away players on the best teams because you're concerned that they might get rested with two weeks left in the regular season? I mean, I just think that's a situation where you're getting too cute with it. And really, you could put yourself in a bad spot and eventually regret it quite a bit. I would rather keep players on the Chiefs or the Eagles or whatever team you're thinking of. I'd rather keep them on my roster. And if by chance we do get word that they're going to rest for two weeks, then I'll deal with it. Then I'll pick up somebody off the waiver wire. But like I said, I don't think that happens very often. Now, the other part of your question, I think that's more interesting. And I'm not so concerned with teams tanking and trying out new players. I'm more concerned about stars on bad teams getting a little bit banged up and maybe deciding to shut it down early for the year. Maybe they end up on IR because why play through that injury when you're on a three-win team that's going nowhere? So in general... I prefer players who are on teams that are in the playoff hunt because I think that increases the odds that they're going to be pushing as hard as possible to produce and to get wins down the stretch. And I know each organization is different. You know, some might be giving up on the year. Some might be tanking. Some might be trying to save their coach's job. They might be trying to win for him or you could have a specific player who's in a contract year. And even though he's on a bad team, he wants to play it out. He wants to perform well. So there's no real like blanket statement we can apply to all of this. But in general, I don't worry much about good teams resting players in week 17. I do worry a little bit about stars on bad teams having less incentive to go the extra mile down the stretch. And that's the place that I'd be trying to trade out of in favor of guys who are on playoff teams. And then last one here at from fossil to fuel philosophical dynasty question we're getting close to crunch time if you're a legit contender should you be looking to flip first round picks to upgrade your roster some people seem to think you should be all in while others take a balanced approach to continue building i love this question i also saw people talking about this in the last few weeks on twitter and i just laugh you know people get so heated on one side or on the other with these kind of questions and i think people just want to fight i think they want to argue but for something like this there isn't one set answer, right? It depends on your roster. Do you need that extra piece? Are you outscoring the league by 200 points on the season already? Because if that's the case, you probably don't need to blow your future on trying to win this year. You're probably in pretty good position to actually bring home the title already. But if you are in the playoff mix and you like your roster, but maybe you feel like, you know, you need that extra player or two to put you over the top, then yeah, you make that move or those moves and you try to load up. And I can give you an example for me. I think I've mentioned it on the show already this year, but I have a dynasty team that's won three of the last four titles in our league. It's one of the analyst leagues that I'm in. And I have a mix of you know young talent and older stars, but overall my team is on the older side. And I know that my best window here to contend is probably going to be in the next year or two. Plus, I want to keep this title run going, right? So I traded a couple future firsts and Trey Palmer, I believe, to get Tyreek Hill and a couple thirds in return. And those are rookie picks, of course, for anyone who doesn't play Dynasty. And if I'm trading first in a normal Dynasty league, I'm doing it because I'm trying to get a, a real difference maker. I want a stud in return. I'm not just throwing away first to get a player who I think can help me win this year. I want a player who I think can make an impact on my team for at least a couple seasons. So, you know, if it's third round picks or fourth round picks in rookie drafts, 
sure, I'll take some more chances with those, but if it's first, I need somebody who is a weak winner or a potential league winner, and Tyreek is certainly that guy as long as he stays healthy, but that team that I'm talking about, it really needed a boost this season, and like I said, I've been at the top of the league for a while. I feel confident in this current version of my roster. I think they're going to be you know, at the top of the league for at least a couple more seasons here, so I assume that those picks are probably going to be you know, mid to late first round picks. And unless I have just a wave of injuries hit my team, which is always possible, you know, I think I'm going to knock on some wood right now. We don't want to see that happen. But one of the biggest mistakes that people make is if they aren't true contenders, they convince themselves that they think they got a real shot to win it all. And they're really just a borderline playoff team. So they trade away first in an effort to make that playoff push, maybe because they saw some advice like what you're saying there. And then maybe they don't even make the postseason. I've seen that happen a bunch of times. And that's where you can really get yourself in trouble. So I think you need to take a serious assessment of your squad, you know, whether you have that lineup and the depth to make it all the way through, whether you have good matchups for your players too in the fantasy postseason, that's important. You need all those things to line up for you to try to win out. Because I'll give you another example here too. I tanked in a different league last year and I ended up with three of the top six picks in that rookie draft. And I also had some young stars emerge on my team, and I already had a couple cornerstone guys like Josh Allen, and I've managed in less than a year here to put myself right back in the playoff hunt. And it's not a three-year rebuild. It's really like a one or maybe two-year rebuild, and I'm right back at it. But outside of my starting lineup, I'm pretty thin a year later here. I don't really have the pieces, I think, to make a real push. I have some rookies that I'm waiting on that I'm hoping will emerge in the next couple of years, but I don't have a ton of depth right now. What I do have is two more first rounders next year. I have a bunch of other picks that I could trade. I could try to load up and actually make a run this season, but I think that would be foolish for me to go all in this year when it probably makes more sense for me to see how well I can do with this roster, maybe make some key waiver wire ads as we go, and maybe I get lucky on the way, but probably not this year. It's just probably not my year. And then I'll come back next year and I'll have those first round additions and I'll have the off season and I'll be able to make trades and then I'll challenge with a better roster because the pieces are in place for me to complete this rebuild and to do it really well. But if I went by the logic that that person suggested, I should either be selling more of my players or trading all my future assets here to try to contend this year. And I know what they're trying to say, but like a lot of people, they just aren't thinking it through and they aren't considering all the variables that go into a decision like that. Because it's not just your roster either. You got to look at the other contenders in your league. Is there a juggernaut team out there? You know, maybe you don't stack up very well this season. Maybe there's a team or two that are just light years beyond you. So maybe this isn't the time to go all in. And, you know, it's not that you can't upset a great team, but do you want to trade away a future first or a couple future first only to be an underdog in the playoffs? I don't think so. So people like to make these bold proclamations about fantasy strategy on Twitter. I'm not going to rain on anybody's parade. You know, sometimes they do make good points, but this is one that needs some context it needs some nuance and it needs you to make a real assessment of your roster and of your needs. And rarely are things absolute. You know, there's always a ton of factors that go into any decision. At least there is if you're being smart about it. But that is all for today's show. Uh, remember the Thursday rankings update that's live over at the score. I will update those rankings one more time before the Thursday night game kicks off. I'll also have start, sit, stash, quit up on Friday. I'll have the Friday injury updates episode tomorrow afternoon. I'm also doing a Reddit AMA, so I'll tweet about it tomorrow. You'll be able to see the link in there and everything, and hopefully you'll come join me there if you got any 
questions, you could throw them in there and I'll answer as many as I can over the course of, you know, an hour or so that I'll be in there. So that's at 1 p.m. Eastern over on Reddit. But until then, big thanks again for all the questions today. Big thanks to everybody for listening and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight, I said leave on time.